Hey guys, if you missed the episode titled The Fight That Changed Everything, it was released on December 12th, 2022. Highly recommend that you go back and listen to that. It lays out a vision for where we plan to go as a ministry in the next 12 to 18 months, and it involves you specifically. So we want you to listen to it and jump in and be part of that. So go back and listen to that episode again. It's called The Fight That Changed Everything. We released it on December 12th, 2022. That being said, let's jump into today's episode. This is my fourth time starting the recording for this podcast because the first time my sons upstairs were playing chess and they got in a fight. And so I had to go upstairs and I had to solve that and I had to yell at them and tell them that they needed to stop it because I'm recording a podcast on anger. And then I came back down, I had to delete that and I started back over about five minutes in and then my dogs are wrestling and barking at each other and it ruined that take, which was fantastic. So I had to go over there and I had to let them know who was boss. And then I was doing a podcast about anger. And then I was about 15 minutes into my last take when my son Brady needed to get wiped. And so if I would have kept that recording, you would have heard this faint, I'm done, in the background while I was trying to record. And I had to go upstairs and I literally, while he was sitting on the toilet, said, Brady, I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> like, like he knows that. You know, like he cares and it's on anger. And so I just feel like Jesus is teaching me this in real time. And lest I should come across as someone who knows what the heck I'm talking about, I don't. I just, it's something that I'm wrestling with and I'm wrestling through. And I feel like for me, it's just like the simplest emotion to go to. And maybe there's a sense of pride in there too, where at the end of a long day or a difficult season or a trying time, it, it just feels like, when people don't appreciate then the kind of day that I'm having or the kind of moment that I'm having that it's like my inner, yeah, my inner pride comes out and just wants to like puff up and be like, how could you interrupt me at a time? like How could you do that? And it's just anger. And what do we do with that as guys? What do we do with that as fathers? What do we do with that as husbands? What does the Bible have to say about anger? And this is an area like in my life personally I remember being a kid, like, and throwing temper tantrums, you know? I, I remember losing a basketball game one time and just pouting and, like, not going to shake the other kids' hands and stuff like that. And I remember my dad telling me, he said, I could never explain to you how silly you look right now while I'm, like, crying and trying to be really mad. And so I, I remember, like, pretty distinctly the time in my life where I gave up, like, throwing t- temper tantrums. And now it just comes across as almost, like, pious moments of, <laughs> like, righteous anger. But... It's embarrassing, and so it's something that God's like working and formulating in my heart right now, and something that I want to talk about for us is just as guys, like where does anger come from? What do we do with it? Did you just get angry? The Bible has a lot to say about it, but it says something pretty unique. I think there's almost two ends of the spectrum, if you know what I'm talking about. There's like the the overly weak man who doesn't get angered by anything, you know? Like you could talk to him about human trafficking and about like violence and it doesn't matter what you talk to him about. He just doesn't get angry about anything. It's like he's got these rose-colored glasses on or he's too afraid to get in the fray on anything, so he just doesn't get angry. The other end of the spectrum is like the dude at the football game that like if you yell too loud or it's like the neighbor where like you don't put your trash cans away within like the first 15 minutes after the trash can comes out and he's giving you an earful with it. And there's like the guy that never gets angry and the guy that only knows one emotion and that is anger. Like you're either sleeping or you're angry all the time. And 
Certainly somewhere in the middle is where we want to find ourselves as guys, but we want to ask that question always, like, what does it mean to redeem this thing inside of me? I don't think it's biblically responsible to say the aim is to not get angry anymore. I think Jesus got angry. I think the Old Testament declares that God is angry. So certainly the anger itself can't be a sin because God didn't sin. That's incoherent with his character. Jesus turns over the temple court tables. The Old Testament God is, is angry over the sins of the people. He, We see that with Sodom and Gomorrah. We see that language used clearly. So the question has to be then, when is anger appropriate? How is anger appropriate? And what is an appropriate way to deal with the anger that we feel? In real time, I'm recording this. My dogs are still fighting in the background, and my kids might still be yelling upstairs. I'm going to let you hear it because I'm going to try to control myself and listen to the things that I'm actually teaching. So here's what the Bible says on it. Ephesians chapter 4, right before the passage on Scripture in Ephesians chapter 5 that say what it means to be a husband, what it means to be a wife, it says, in your anger, do not sin. And, right? That's an important phrase, in your anger. So there's actually a presumption. There's an a priori assumption made here that you will get angry. It is part of the human condition. Like, if you're a dude and you don't get angry about anything, there's something wrong with you, right? Like, And for sometimes, I think sometimes our, our wives like try to shake us into anger. Like, would you just feel something, you know? Like, things are wrong with the world. Like, this is not the way that God intended it. And so... When we see kids getting kidnapped, when we see people, women, little women getting sold into sex slavery, and when we see rape and we see injustice, like something should arouse the image of God, the Imago Dei in our hearts that says, this is wrong. We got to do something about this. We got to get angry. Angry can be an excellent servant and a horrible master. If we're able to control anger, it can prompt us to do things that are brave. It can prompt us to do things that are right, that are just. But when anger takes the reins of our life and gets control, it can push us to do things that are stupid and foolish and destructive. In your anger, do not sin, the scripture says. James 1.19, maybe the pivotal passage on anger says this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And if you guys as teachers ever tell you like, that's why God gave us one mouth and two ears. So we spend twice as much time listening as we do talking, right? So quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool gives full vent to his anger. Man, isn't that true? Whenever I give full vent to my anger afterwards, I just feel so dumb, feel so foolish. It says, but a wise man controls it. James 4 verse 1, why is there so many fights among you? It's because you've got fights within you. You have quarrels within you. You have what you want. You get angry and you fight. Proverbs 14, 29, a patient man has understanding, but a quick-tempered man displays folly. So we have to settle this distinction between we're not propping up the non-angry people around us. And if you're a dad and you're like, well, this is great because I never get angry, that's not actually what the Bible calls us to. It doesn't find that to be appropriate or to be God-honoring in the least. We should be appropriately angry. But then it also uses these phrases like to control your anger, to be slow to anger, to not be quick-tempered. So we want to look at, at what that means. The main thing that the New England Journal of Medicine talks about when it speaks of anger is our main reasons as guys for getting angry are unmet expectations or a blockage of goals. Okay, so... And my expectations, you said you would call and you never called. Everyone deserves to be treated fairly, and yet someone's not treated fairly. 
everyone has basic rights to happiness and well-being, and yet mine were taken away. So it's I have these expectations, these things that are due to me, and I'm not getting those things. The other thing is a blockage of goals. And blockage of goals is basically I want a starting spot on a football team, and I didn't get it because someone else took that from me. My best friend takes my girlfriend. You blocked my goals. These are what I thought was going to be success, and it causes me anger. These are what we call triggers to our anger. Which is something I found pretty interesting is that girls tend to have more anger in their interpersonal close friendships and relationships, and guys tend to have more anger in with strangers. It might be from their camaraderie background or just from our like our kind of our hunter warrior where we understand the guy next to us is important for us in battle and we don't want to pick fights and we don't want to like be in the pool that you're swimming in. And so typically, and this was true in my life with my wife, I would have more anger towards the random dude in the store who, you know, when they open a new cash register to check out and you've been waiting in line for like 20 minutes and the dude that jumps in the back of the line jumps over there first, that makes me mad. And Paige couldn't have cared less about that. And yet a lot more of her anger was directed at people that were in her circle. And I tended to not be that way as much. So it's kind of an interesting way that that those things play themselves out. The neuroscience of anger is really interesting because it, it's sometimes when we give God credit for creating the human machine, it makes a lot of sense. You know, like I was reading this today. It's in a split second when a trigger occurs you know, you get your goals blocked, expectations are not met, someone says something stupid, someone offends you. Your brain is a default way in which it interprets and responds to that anger trigger. So imagine a hiking trail to the top of a mountain and it's well worn in. This is kind of what it is when each of us has a anger trigger in our life. So I'll just use an example that we can keep using over and over again, which is Let's say you're in traffic and you're late for something and you're frustrated and you know this is going to cause strife between your family, between your wife and you and whatever. And some dude just comes hauling down his big old dually truck on the shoulder past everyone. Just decides he's not going to sit in traffic today because there's something about him that is divine in its qualities. And he's going to just pass everyone up and going to go wherever he needs to go. And we... Poor miserable peasants can sit and wait, but he cannot be bothered with sitting and waiting. This is our trigger. So in that moment, there's a well-worn path in our brain, and some of it comes from genetic, some of it is cultural, but the majority of it, that path from the base of the mountain to the top of the mountain, which is our anger response, is the way that we, it's our default way of responding to triggers. And for some of us, that path is we immediately respond by screaming. We immediately respond by freaking out. We immediately respond by losing our cool. And just like a path on a mountain, we've chosen that so many times over and over and over and over and over again, that when we receive a trigger, our brain basically says, I'll take it from here, right? We see that guy cruising down the right shoulder and our brain says like, oh, we got this, you know, hey, Chris, we know what to do. You've taught us a thousand times what we do here. We roll down the window, we yell at the guy, we throw up our hands, you know, like some Italian mobster, like, hey, what are you doing? This is what we do. This is how we get angry. And so your brain just, it responds in its default way. And, and when I say default way, it's a collection of all those things, cultural, genetic, biochemical, but it, just like muscles, it is instructed over and over again what to do 
And so almost like artificial intelligence then like you would have with a computer, you know, like if I'm at 24 hour fitness and I open up my iPhone and I go to search, it pulls up 24 hour fitness because it knows when you're at this location and you use your search bar, you always type in 24 hour fitness. So we're just going to help you out here. That's what your brain does. It goes, dude, we do this all the time. You love getting angry. You love screaming. You love freaking out. This is what we're going to do. So you're trying to chase someone up a mountain and you're trying to get their attention because you go, hey, dude, at the top of that mountain is your scream anger response and it doesn't lead to good things. But something's like chasing you up that mountain and that's actually the better decision. So in the neurochemistry of your brain, what happens is your brain naturally tells it, okay, we're angry. Let's take the well-worn path. Do what we want to do. Get mad, get angry, scream, yell. And that triggers this secretion of adrenaline in our brain. Now, the adrenaline is what's taking this path up the hill. And as soon as adrenaline gets to our frontal lobe, which says it's time to make a decision, it's almost always an adrenaline-based decision, which is typically not dripping with wisdom and reason. But the irony is that God has built into our brains on this well-worn path. He sends a helper behind the adrenaline, one that's trying to catch up to and go, hey, 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 slow down, slow down, let's think about this. And your brain, when you see a trigger... Your brain, it takes in the information, tells the medulla to excrete the adrenaline. Your adrenaline then takes cues from the cerebellum and the frontal lobe of your brain on where to send the adrenaline. It's like, should we send it to the part of our brain that's going to freak the heck out? Is it going to send it to the part of our brain that's going to replace it with oxytocin, a connecting chemical, a gentle chemical, a reasonable chemical? And that's inside of your ventral medial prefrontal cortex. These are big words you don't need to know except insofar as you can understand that God has built inside of us a system that makes a better decision than what our anger wants to do. Our adrenaline wants to respond like in our lizard brain, right? In our snake, our primal brain, the fight, flight, anger, warrior part of our brain. And as that messenger gets sent up the hill, that adrenaline messenger gets sent up the hill to go, we're going to go fight. God sends behind that messenger someone to come along and say, would you slow down? And the irony is this. If we start to say, you know what, I'm not going to take that road well-traveled. I'm not going to take that default study. I'm not just going to keep jumping to screaming, but I'm going to slow down and I'm going to calm down and I'm going to count to 10 and I'm going to create space between my trigger and my response. Then that person that God sends up the hill after us can catch up to us and they actually begin to reason with us. And that's oxytocin. That's our understanding chemical. And the ventral medial prefrontal cortex says, hold on, let's interpret this in its right way. Let's try to make sense of this rather than just flying off the handle. It's as if this is basically the New England Journal of Science and Medicine has caught up to what God says when he says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. What we found out in the neuroscience of the brain is that if you will actually just slow down when you get a triggered response, you don't need to do anything. Just choose not to react right away. You'll let your systems that give more reasonable, laid-back, casual, calculated responses, strategic responses, time to catch up to your dude that's already charging up the hill, right? You're sprinting up the hill. You've got a well-worn path. We go right to red zone anger. Someone can catch up to you and go, hey, let's talk about this. Now, it might be someone's like hurting your kid, you know? So you might go, okay, I'm going to calm down. I'm going to see what's... but." That might be the proper response is you have to, you do something in your anger that you're going to use that anger to actually create a response that you want. You have to defend someone. You want to do those things, but you still let your brain catch up to it, right? 
And when we make quick split second decisions, because we have to in certain times, that's obviously different. But God's built into the neurochemistry of our brain a system by which if we choose to continuously slow down that message, slow down that adrenaline from going straight from I see the trigger to I'm going to freak out, something kind of extraordinary happens in the neuroplasticity of our brain. Neuroplasticity is a big word meaning that our brain can change like Play-Doh. You see, if we continuously say, if we just are an an anger response person for our whole life, but we start going, you know what, I'm going to try something different. When I see an anger response, even though I want to haul off and punch them in the face, I'm going to count to 30. Or I'm going to sing this song in my head before I do anything. And I'm going to do something, but I'm going to sing a song in my head first. And we just create that gap. What happens in our brains is that well-worn pathway starts to get almost like brush and debris on it. So instead of it being just our knee-jerk automatic response, God begins to change our synapses and our neural pathways and adjust them in such a way that instead of it being this one-direction, well-worn path, I choose anger, we're going to freak out, God actually begins to put different boulders and things in front of it. He slows down our anger response over time. Once we, It's like training in a gym. Once we continue to, to train our muscles to do X, they start to do those. Our brain is the same way. When we go, when I see something angry that's going to anger me, I'm going to sing a song, and then I'm going to chill out. I'm going to ask myself these three questions, and then I'm going to respond. Guess what happens after a while? The simple path up the mountain to direct anger goes, you know, Chris doesn't use this path very much anymore. We should stop feeding it. Chris doesn't use this immediately get angry and freak out path anymore. So it's become a little bit less useful to us. Let's not keep up the roadways as well. Let's not keep up the synapses as well. Let's let them kind of fold in on themselves. That's why you find people who go, yeah, I'm I'm not very easily bothered. I do get bothered, but I'm not easily bothered. There's people in your life that almost are like these, like uh, the Dalai Lama figures that they, they just seem to have a really great way of dealing with their anger. It's probably because at one point they just had to make the decision they were going to stop freaking out. And then over time, as they continued to make those reasonable responses, their brain began to choose those first and foremost above freaking out. But we have to, just like training our bodies, just like training our skills, just like training our talents, training our voices, we have to learn how to train our minds to act differently, to behave differently, to respond differently Now that, for a lot of us, it's going to start with a lot of prayer, right? A lot of focus on Jesus, some slipping up, but we will slow that down enough that then that that guy chasing up the mountain to, to say, let's make better decisions can finally become someone that we journey with every time. And that's really like the Holy Spirit in our hearts as we see the stimulus for anger and we slow down enough, we can walk alongside the Holy Spirit rather than getting way the heck out in front of him and saying, I'll take this one from here, Holy Spirit. Don't you worry. I know it's when I punch my grandma at the dinner table, I know it's going to go well. You know, she shouldn't have called me that name. So I'm going to turn this table over. I'm going to throw the turkey at the wall. That's going to show him. The Holy Spirit can walk alongside and go like, what's that going to feel like in 20 minutes after that turkey's been thrown? What are your kids going to think about you 10 weeks from now when they bring this up again in front of your boss at work? Like, You know what I mean? The Holy Spirit begins to be our Sherpa up that mountain rather than someone that we leave way in the dust because we've got it figured out. Some ways to control anger then that are from some of the people that I trust a lot in my life. And again, from these different journals of medicine, they talk about 
is obviously creating distance. My mom gave me great advice one time when I was a kid, which is if one of my friends really hurts my feelings to write them a letter. And if in 24 hours, I still feel like that letter is worth handing to them, then hand it to them. But I'll tell you what, man, over the years, I have had so many letters that I've ended up throwing away and so grateful that I didn't give it to them at the time. Because oftentimes with a good meal, with a good nap or a good night's sleep and a little bit of distance, I go, man, I'm so glad I didn't make it a big deal because it's just not a big deal. Try not to catastrophize. That's another thing to control your anger. Don't think or use words like always or never. Another thing is if it's an interpersonal relationship, make sure you do it one-on-one. Anytime you have an audience, it, it just gets worse. Lastly, my wife taught me this one, which I thought was really important. The more that we can as men tell stories for why someone disappointed us or hurt our feelings or broke the rules or whatever it is, like the more that we give what my wife and I would call generous explanations to the stimulus, the better off we're going to be. So this happened with Paige and I when we were sitting in traffic one time and this guy just went hauling by us. This is a true story. And I was so mad. And she just almost under her breath was like, I wonder if his wife's going into labor and he just had to get to the hospital before she gave birth. And I went, it was so weird. Like it took me so by surprise. Then I was sitting there going, you know what? Go man, go get to that hospital. I don't really know his story, but what had I chosen? The the story that I had chosen to tell myself was this is some self-righteous uppity jerk who's just, he doesn't think about anyone but himself and he just can't be bothered to sit in traffic. My wife chose to tell the story of this guy's really in a rush. This guy does not know how he's going to make it to the hospital in time. And as he's passing all these cars, he's begging us internally that we will understand what he's going through. He's apologizing as he crosses every car. He's, he knows that we're angry. And you see what happened? It's the same exact action. And in one case, I had told a negative story, which leads to anger. In another case, I had told a positive story. And guess what? I don't know the story. But by the time I, if I ever were actually to know that story, I would have created so much distance between me and the stimulus that I'd probably make a much better decision on how I'd respond to him rather than rolling down my window or flipping him off or anything else. I didn't do any of that stuff. I don't, I'm not getting angry like that. It's just more of that internal grumbling like, oh, who does this guy think that he is? So that's kind of a primer that I wanted to give us just as guys and as we're thinking about this as dads. What does it mean to get angry and and don't aim to be someone who never gets angry. Jesus got angry. It was very clear. But we should also think that if the anger in our hearts and in our lives has caused people to be afraid to make mistakes around us, I know that's one thing that I always, <laughs> it makes me really sad when I think about it. Like if, if a kid is carrying his plate to the sink and he drops it and turns and looks at me and goes, I'm so sorry, dad, I'm so sorry. Right? If he's saying that because he knows that I paid for that dish, it's broken and I'm going to clean it up, that's one thing. But when I watch them almost wince, like, oh no, here comes the storm. Man, I just really biffed that as a dad. Then it's just something that I'm working on, something that God's working in my heart. And maybe just a couple of those really quick things to remember for us and to find that balance between we need to have stimulus that gets us angry, but what do we do with that? And I love how science is catching up with what God said thousands of years ago. In your anger, do not sin. Be quick to listen, slow to speak slow to become angry because you'll rewire those neural pathways and you'll find yourself maturing and growing and getting in less trouble with your anger and offending less people with when something is blocking your goals and 
We have to take that back. We have to reclaim our brain because I love how one pastor put it. No one coasts their way into holiness. No one accidentally backs their way into a Jesus way of living. It's just not natural. That's why Galatians 5 says, the spirit wants what's contrary to the flesh and the flesh what's contrary to the spirit. So if you find yourself going, man, it's really hard. It's because patience and objectifying our circumstances and telling a generous explanation and slowing the heck down. The Bible would never tell us to do things that we do naturally. Have you ever noticed that? That the Bible doesn't have to explain to us. I don't know anywhere in scripture where the Bible explains to us or gives us a command to do what's natural. If you find one, you tell me, right? Which I haven't found one. Why does the Bible speak so much on the confines of sexuality? Why does the Bible say? Because we are prone to wander, as the old hymn says. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God, leave the God I love. We're prone to it. We're apt to it. We're broken. And then in that brokenness, our sin compels us to anger. We have to fight against it. I think too often, though, we chalk it up to, I'm just an angry person, or it's my heritage, or you know how we Puerto Ricans get, or you know how we Germans get, or you know how we... Does it seem interesting that almost every demographic group claims anger as somehow theirs, when in reality, the truth is, it belongs to all of us. And a lot of us might have seen it play out a lot more strongly when we were kids, and our parents, and our dads, and our moms... Some of us, our relationship with that is because everyone in our whole extended family chooses anger right away. And for sure, that might be a bigger uphill battle. But the scripture says this. It says, the spirit that God put inside of us was not of timidity and fear, but of power, love, and self-control. That means it's not us who control our anger. It's the spirit living inside of us. But if we don't give him say, if we respond before he can catch up to us, if we don't practice the refining of that spirit inside of us, we're going to find ourselves just like the proverb says, being a fool who gives vent to our anger, a quick-tempered man who displays folly. And that's not who we want to be as men. It's not who we want to be as dads. It's definitely not who we want to be as husbands or as Christ followers. I love the dad-tired community because it feels like so much of what we talk about is not from expertise, but from kind of like two dudes just sitting there saying, here's what I'm wrestling with. What are you wrestling with? And so this is another one of those things where it's like, it's, it's not, I'm, I'm not some, I can't raise my hand and say, I haven't been angry in years. I can't raise my hand and say that I'm, I have complete freedom in this area, but I do want to get better. And I hope that you guys do too. And I hope we can do that together. And I love that we serve a God who balances that so well, and we can take his model and his example for it. And ultimately at the end of the day, if we don't have him living inside of us, then we're just talking about behavior modification for its own sake, but we're not, we're doing it because I don't want my kid to see me as angry. I want them to see me get angry at certain times for the right reasons. I don't want my kid to be afraid of me. I don't want my kid to, to wince when they make a mistake. I just not the relationship that I want to have. I don't want the friends in my life to worry about disappointing me because they know that I'm going to fly off the handle. Like, that's just not who I want to be. And I don't think that's who I am. But there's certainly moments where I just, I feel like I <clears throat> flirt with that. And I don't want to do that anymore. So thank you guys for just kind of tuning in. And hopefully this was helpful for you as it's been another great study for me to figure out what do we do with these things. And it's like it says in 1 Corinthians 13, it comes down to love. Like love is not easily angered. It doesn't mean it doesn't get angry. It means it's not going to get easily angered. And for us as guys to know that there is such a high calling on us to be there for people, to protect them, that sometimes when we become what the people around us need protection from, we've for sure missed the boat. 
and controlling our anger, I think will bring that to heal a lot better. So hopefully this is helpful for you guys. As always, you can reach out if you have questions or want to talk through the concept more. We love you guys. We'll talk to you next time. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that episode. As a reminder, we have a completely free community that you can join online to find other guys near you and continue these conversations. Go to connect.dadtire.com. Join for free. Again, go to connect.dadtire.com. Love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you.